0: Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. Fasten your seatbelts. On this episode, we're in for a bouncy ride. The golden age of air travel from the first jets of mid-20th century to the early 1980s was a time when beautiful single young women interested in exploring the world were promised a life of glamour and adventure as flight attendants, or as they were called then, stewardesses or airline hostesses. No airline offered more excitement than Trans World Airlines, in the 1960s, TWA accepted fewer than 1% of applicants to be flight attendants, making it tougher to get into than even Harvard. Plus, a flying career offered an education money could never buy. TWA provided a jet-set lifestyle and travels to exotic destinations from London to Bombay. Flight attendants appeared on TV and in movies and rubbed elbows with the rich and famous, all the while decked out in uniforms from designers including Ola Cassini and Ralph Loren. A flight attendant could cook Chateaubriand medium-rare, deliver a baby at 35,000 feet, and survive a plane crash, all the while immaculately dressed from their never-a-strand-out-of-place hairstyles all the way down to their mandatory high heels. We'll be talking about all this with the authors of the book True Tales of TWA Flight Attendants, Memoirs and Memories from the Golden Age of Flying, with stories from dozens of flight attendants. It's a delightful read filled with behind-the-scenes looks, at the excitement and struggles during this exciting time in airline history. authors Kathy Compare and Stephanie Johnson have lots of travel stories to share with us. Welcome, Kathy and Stephanie, to Places I Remember.
1: Hi, Leah. Great to see you. Hi, Leah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I really enjoyed your book. Having flown during that period as a passenger, I know how different it was. Flight attendants back then were considered so glamorous, and it was fascinating to read about your experiences from the other side. What qualifications did it take to become a flight attendant back then?
2: There was a language requirement to fly international. Also, they'd like you to have at least two years of college. Most of the people I knew had graduated. There were strict weight and height requirements. When Stephanie started, she had to wear a girdle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and when she ended, did she wear one? <laughs> No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I read the application and among the things was no missing teeth. So we had lots of details. I know you're going to be flabbergasted,
1: but one of the things on the application was they wanted to know our measurements, bust, waist, hips. They wanted to know our weight. They wanted to know if you were divorced, how long you had been divorced, if you had had any children, when I started in 1968, you couldn't be married and you couldn't have children.
0: When did male flight attendants come on board? They came on board approximately
1: 1970, 71. It was because of the Equal Rights Amendment and uh, you couldn't discriminate. When I started with the company, we had pursers on International and all pursers were male. No flight attendants were male. No purser's could be females. So then, in 1970, that was all changed. Quite a number of senior women with TWA that said, "Oh, I'd like to be a purser too and make more money." So, a lot of changes.
0: What are the differences between flying during the mid-century and now in the 21st century, for better or worse?
2: I think the uh, security. You know, there was a time we never ever went through security. We just waltzed onto the airplane. Everybody walked to the gates. Families were dropping off people, meeting people. The last thing you thought about when you went to the airport was someone with a gun or a bomb. That all changed. You couldn't mention the word bomb or gun Even though we didn't go through security, we had IDs and had a special line we could walk through. It was pretty shocking how quick they came up with all this TSA. And now, thank God for TSA pre-check. Well, what do you think has improved? Safety is better. The planes are
0: equipped better other than it's too crowded. The seats are too tiny. Right. Right. Tell us about some of the favorite perks you had as a flight attendant back then.
1: The best one was obviously our company passes and being able to fly for free. And if you that was coach and also first class, but if you wanted to upgrade to first class, it was all of $10. So, oh my goodness, I know. And plus, what was great is we got all kinds of discounts on international carriers and we got discounts in hotels. And Kathy and I earlier, we were talking, I had gone on a picture taking safari with some other friends of mine in Kenya and Tanzania. And I look back on that and they gave us a huge discount and it was expensive then. But with the discount, you know, I mean, it was practically dirt cheap. And we were able to do things like that, that the average person couldn't take advantage of.
0: Do flight attendants get those kind of perks today? There
2: might be a couple avenues that they could get a discount on a cruise.
1: Their employees are still basically flying at reduced rates, and they still have passes. But it's all space available. And with the planes being so full, that's one of the issues. You can't take advantage of the perk that you're being given.
0: Also, the attitude of some of the passengers on YouTube today, the rudeness. And the screaming. And in the old days, I know as a passenger, it was a big deal to fly. And you got dressed up and you felt very special. Now, most superstar celebs didn't fly in private jets back then. What was it like to interact with everyone from popes to presidents to movie stars? I'm sure both of you met many, many people. I know you did from reading the book.
1: Whether they were a senator, whether they were running for president, whether they were a famous movie star, whether they were a multi-multi- Now they'd be billionaires, uh, a famous sports person. They all enjoyed talking to us and they were just like everybody else. I really never had on one famous person that was pretentious. They couldn't have been nicer. You got to the point where you weren't blasé about it, but you weren't overwhelmed with their presence. It was just like, oh, hi. Here's Ed McMahon from Johnny Carson Show bringing us a five pound box of candy. Oh, thank you, Mr. McMahon. You know, you weren't blasé, but you weren't overwhelmed. I just loved them all. I really did. It was
2: absolutely a pleasure to meet some of these people. And I have a story about Rosalind Russell, who was a great movie star from the Oh, my God. I just adored her in Auntie Mame. So I was off to my flight nonstop to LA. I'm laying over seven in the morning, the phone rings and they say, how fast can you get to the airport? And I said, an hour. And they said, you have 30 minutes, get going. Mm. And I made it. I walk on the 747, the door closes. I'm standing in first class and the purser says to me, 1A is Rosalind Russell and you're taking care of her. I nearly fainted. This happened to me all the time. I just just couldn't believe my luck. So I spent like five and a half hours with Rosalind. And we found out we had the same birthday. (laughs) I just told her how thrilled I was to meet her. And I hope I could entertain her a little bit for her trip. I'm sure you did. I'm sure they enjoyed
0: talking with you. I'm sure the other passengers
2: thought, why don't you talk to
0: us? (laughs) 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 That might be true, too. But it's fun to go to work and never know who you might meet. you traveled a lot internationally on TWA, and this is a travel podcast. So tell us a few of your favorite destinations. I just love going
1: to Italy, period, whether it was Milano or Rome. Yeah, now, forget it,
0: no liquids. No liquids over, what, three ounces? Or four yeah, three ounces, yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, well, you can have a shot. <laughs> <laughs> vodka or something uh yeah so i know reading the book it was so much fun to read some of the stories that the crew would get together in all these foreign places cairo or wherever and have a good time and it's it's very very glamorous again this was a earlier time and not very many people got to do this nowadays we hop in jets and it's not such a big deal to go around the world but then it was very very special and i think reading about it is loads of fun Now, you have lots of stories about men-women behavior before the Me Too movement. Give us some examples. I
2: think people were more respectful back then.
0: But I did have
2: one good friend who was very rudely spoken to, vulgar. He grabbed her arm, said it again in her ear. And with that, she slapped him as hard as she could. She's running to the cockpit, crying, because this has shaken her up so much. On his way out of the airplane, he announced to the captain, I'm going to call my lawyer. Once in a while, you would run into these creeps.
0: Yeah, I would think you'd be flirted with a lot. Right, not in a bad way.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: this happened to a very, very good friend of mine. She was standing on the armrest in a 747 with the luggage compartment open and she was trying to rearrange some luggage so to get more in there. And this is in the day and age before we had slacks with our uniforms. And as she's standing on this armrest, passengers are boarding and this man took his hand and put it all the way up underneath her skirt and she almost fell off the armrest as she let out a ah! noise then later on ironically enough he was seated in the zone she was working and it's like we say you never should mess with anybody who's food handler
0: she, <laughs> I know it's coming <laughs> yes she
1: took a hot pot of coffee and instead of pouring it into his cup she poured it into his lap and then winked at him like he had winked at her.
0: Okay, there you go. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> uh, let's get practical. How do passengers get on a flight attendant's good side for extra perks when they're flying? What can you get if you're especially nice? I think if you're nice and
2: pleasant, they take notice. And they're always looking for able-bodied people to help in case they have a problem. You can't nice your way into first class. No, I was asking about
0: that. Yeah. You can't say pretty please. No. No. Okay. Okay. Good to know. I I know sometimes there's some discretion, but it doesn't come from being nice. It comes from another reason or other. Is that right? It
2: usually comes from the captain. Right. Who has the authority. So, you know, if you ask the captain about something, uh, could we upgrade so-and-so, you might get
0: it. Yeah. I remember on one flight I took on Air India. I got to go in the cockpit, you know, maybe 1980 when people could still do this. And I got to see, you know, the stars from the front of the plane and all. I can't imagine today anyone being able to do that. It was just a different time. Yeah. It really is a
1: shame. And you know, I can remember when they were newlyweds. I get them a bottle of champagne from First Class, wrap it up in a nice linen towel, and congratulate them. Unfortunately, you couldn't accommodate at thirty-three thousand feet in the air a lot of people's requests. It was amazing what a few drinks or a few splits of wine freebies could do to change their attitude, <laughs> and it didn't cost you anything. And you weren't getting them intoxicated uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But just being nice to people, that's what we always tried to do.
0: Knowing what you know now, would you think you'd become a flight attendant today? Why or why not?
1: Well, Kathy and I talked about this earlier today. And we both always have said, yeah, go do it. Go try it. If you don't like it, you haven't lost anything. But if you do maybe the perks aren't as great as they used to be flying on your own personal time, but you still can have wonderful layovers. You still meet nice people and it's the camaraderie of the crew. You really become good friends with these people over the years. So yeah, it's like a job like no other. And if nothing else, when you begin, you will find out in about six months time that you now have a spine made out of steel.
0: I would imagine. You have to do many things we don't know about that are important to ensure safety. The training you have in that alone makes you stronger and more aware of how to help. We think of the glamour, but I'm sure both of you have been in situations which were dicey where you had to use that spine of steel. Now, the name of the podcast is Places I Remember. So would you two each give me a memory that stands out from all your other ones when you were flying with TWA? Uh, Kathy, do you want to start? I was leaving London in 1983. We were loading
2: on to this giant bus that they would take us right underneath the airplane. And I met the Kaka crew, and it was the pilot's last flight the last flight, he was retiring, his whole family was meeting him in Chicago. And we were going over a polar route. That was the shortest time. I said, Oh, well, this is exciting. I'm taking care of you upstairs. This will be fun. And then I got this sinking feeling that or what it I mean, something's going to happen. So I just finished the service started the movie upstairs this was business class upstairs and the door flew open to the cockpit which is quite a ways away from the passengers maybe 15 20 feet and they say get in here Kathy get in here so I did they said we just got a call from the government the air force whoever is monitoring the airspace and they said there are two Russian meg jets chasing your plane. Ooh. Now, this was terrifying because a week before, two Russian meg jets had shot down a Korean airline 747. Mm, I remember uh, going from, I believe, Seattle to Korea. Window sh- shades were down. This was the same situation with our plane right now. Everybody's watching the movie. Window shades were down. He said, grab the service manager and go to the back. See if you can see them. And I wanted to say, don't you have a rear view mirror? You know, <laughs> they, they didn't. So I've run a football field now. To get to the back of the plane, I opened this huge window cover on the 747 door. We're looking like crazy and we're on the phone on both sides of the airplane with the pilot. Meanwhile, our plane is banking and making a sharp left turn. The military had told the pilots, "Okay, you're going to go to X amount south and they have to turn around. They don't have enough fuel to follow you and get back to their base. So that's what we did. Nothing was said to the passengers. Oh, really? No, no, nothing. Yeah. It wasn't even shared with the rest of the crew until we, till we landed. We were two hours late, but his family was there to meet him, and they were very happy. He was finished his last flight, and his wife said, "What was the delay?"
0: And he just winked at me and said, "Oh, some weather." <laughs> Interesting. Okay, Stephanie, how about your special memory?
1: Oh, I think one of the most special memories I had was having to be President Ronald Reagan on flight. I'm working first class, the agent gets on and he said, you're going to have Reagan on flight with one of his aides. I said, oh, I thought, well, this should be interesting. He got on before the passengers. I went over, introduced myself, gave him a menu and I said, I'll be back in a few minutes to get your orders. Nobody else is on the plane yet. So I came back and and got their orders. And the man was such a little Irishman. He had little red, rosy cheeks. His eyes glistened, they sparkled. And he just had this wonderful smile. And he's looking at me like, Oh, really? There was no Oh, yeah, I'm great. You know, it was that. <laughs> so, okay, now, we've gotten up in the air, finished the service, I come out of the cockpit and who's walking around the bulkhead? but Ronald Reagan. And I don't know why, whatever, but You can tell I'm a chatty cat. I said something to him. Next thing you know, 15 minutes later, we had talked about Vietnam. We had talked about history. He had told me Jimmy Stewart was one of his best friends. And he's doing a Jimmy Stewart imitation for me and all this type of thing. But the best, the very best part, as we're doing this, a male flight attendant comes walking around the bulkhead to go up into the cockpit. He knocks on the cockpit door, the flight engineer opens it, he starts to walk in, and the captain sees Ronald Reagan and myself standing out there. And he says, oh, Governor Reagan, would you like to come into the cockpit? And he looks at him and he says, oh, no. He says, "Uh, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm talking to Stephanie. (laughs) And I wanted to go around and high five a bunch of people. So the end of the story is... I go into the cockpit about 15 minutes later, and the captain was not a happy little camper. He says, what well, we were you talking to Reagan about? And I told him, and he was like, oh, you know, you could tell he was just very put out. Yeah. When Reagan passed, the one thing that stood out to me was what a gentleman he was. And all those years, I had thought Reagan told the captain he didn't want to go up there because he didn't want to be stuck in the cockpit with three guys. And he was using me as an excuse. But in essence, no, he was a gentleman. And he, I'm sure in his mind, it would have looked like I'm dismissing this woman to go talk with these three men. So that is truly my most memorable experience.
0: Wonderful. Well. A big thanks to Kathy Compare and Stephanie Johnson, authors of True Tales of TWA Flight Attendants, for sharing the glamour and fun and excitement of being a flight attendant during the golden age of travel. I highly recommend your book. It's perfect to read on a flight. Thanks again.
1: Oh, thank you, Leah.
0: Thank you, Leah. Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over 100 episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, com, and keep making your own travel memories.